The following message is brought to you by Balsamic. Balsamic decided to support the software social community by donating their sponsored airtime to some of our listeners. This episode is sponsored by Homeschool Boss. Homeschool Boss offers NWEA MAP growth assessments to homeschoolers in the U.S. These are untimed online tests in math, reading, science, and language usage that adapt to the child's performance as they test. In this challenging year, Homeschool Boss makes it easy for parents to learn what their kids know and what they are ready to learn next. They offer group rates and are happy to work with pods and tutors. Check it out at homeschoolboss.com. And thanks again to Balsamic for generously supporting our listeners this way. If you'd like to receive a promo code for Balsamic, visit balsamic.com slash go slash software dash social. So Michelle, this week I had a prospective customer interview, which was a new experience and a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so what, in order to prep for that interview, I had to search through all of my emails to find all of your customer interview scripts. <laughs> and I hope it wasn't too I hard to, to search. <laughs> Well, the problem is, is you also email me as Michelle the human. So it was like, I was like, how do I filter Michelle this? Michelle the human, filter it Michelle on? the robot. <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> I was like, how, where's my deploying empathy, Michelle's customer research filter? But you know what I was thinking as I was sorting through my emails, trying to isolate all of your scripts? Yeah. I was thinking it'd be sure be nice if I had this in a book format. <laughs> you aren't the first person to say that, Colleen. So tell me your thoughts on it. So, you know, it's kind of funny how the newsletter came about because I think I had just gotten off of a um, mentoring call with a founder and I realized as I was sort of sending them, they, they wanted to know about doing customer interviews and I was typing up this email to them and it's like 10 paragraphs long and it's like, this book is really good, but like only these chapters are relevant for you. And like, this book doesn't go in enough detail. So like, listen to this podcast, but then also like, here's this worksheet. And it was like so disorganized. And I also felt like I was writing the same email over and over and over again. And I was like, you know what? This is, this, this maybe this is a book. And then I was like, but everyone who has ever written a book has told me not to write a book and that it's very lonely and difficult and like sounds like an awful experience so maybe I shouldn't write a book like and and then I kind of like tweeted out and everyone's like oh my god write a book and I was like uh, okay so I was like you know what I'll write it as a newsletter if people like it it comes a live rough draft if not it's just a newsletter and like I can stop doing it and like no one's paying me for anything um and so as it's gone on, I have accepted the fact that maybe it is a book, um, but I've never written a book before. I've never marketed a book before. Um, I've read a lot of them. Um, I have not read books about <laughs> writing or selling a book. Um, so it's been it's been kind of an interesting experience. It's a whole new world for me. Yeah. Because you don't have any other um, informational products, right? None. Okay. Like, I guess this podcast is technically an info product. I mean, but really, it just forces us to, like, keep up our weekly meetings. Like, I mean, like, I mean, <laughs> yes, we have advertisers, like, technically, but, you know, it's like, really, that's why we're doing this. Like, we love you listeners, but truly, this is just for Colleen and I. Um, 
<laughs> so it seems like so I obviously subscribed to your newsletter when you started it. You have more content that I can read. Like it seems like there's a there's just so much in your brain that you want to get out about this. I feel like I'm Marie Kondoing my head. Like I'm just getting it all out. <laughs> you know, that. like it's just like cleaning out my closet and it's like all of these things have been just like sitting there marinating for years now and kind of coming out sporadically as as necessary and of course I like sort of use them and build on them in my work Uh, but yeah it just feels like I just have all of this stuff and it's like all right here is like Michelle's mental yard sale um my my book about customer research so how do you feel about turning all of this information into a book like how's the process been and and how are you feeling about it so if I tell myself that I'm just writing a newsletter and not a book, uh, great. If I tell myself that I'm writing a book and then I open the Google Doc and I see that blinking cursor, terrified. Hmm. Too much pressure. I don't know. It just feels like a lot. Like, And, and it's just something I haven't done before. I'm probably way underestimating how long it's going to take to go from like newsletter rough draft to actual finished product never mind even having something that's just like a straight pdf right of without any illustrations or or any like there like there's so many steps to this and I've been trying to read um about it like Alex Hellman published a lot of great stuff after writing his book Tiny MBA last year that's been really helpful for me but yeah I mean it feels overwhelming and kind of like we were talking about last week with I think having ADD sort of plays into this because like, you know, partly like I love having multiple projects at a time. Like I can't just have one thing I'm working on. And so that's partly where the newsletter comes from, but also then staring down a huge task that I have never done before is really, really intimidating to me. Yeah. And I I assume like the mechanics of writing and selling a book is totally different than the mechanics of building and selling a SaaS or selling a product, yeah, like a SaaS product. Right? Yeah, like, you know, like with a SaaS, I feel like, you know, all people are Googling for what they need, right? Like, they're like, how do you do this? And then as long as you have a landing page that says, here's how you can do this, like, and then you do that and then they pay you. Like, and it's very straightforward in terms of like delivering the value to someone. Um, I feel like with a book, it's a lot harder. Like, I feel like I have to convince people that they need it. I mean, especially like this is a hard thing that I'm trying to get like doing interviews is you know to to how I feel about it being you know writing this book being this huge monumental task that I don't know how to do that feels scary a lot of people feel that way about interviews so um I I can definitely you know empathize with my own reader about about um that that kind of feeling um yeah, it's 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 very, very different um, that, than what I've done before. Um, just a lot of the marketing techniques are very different. And uh, I admit that I, I you know, <laughs> when I start thinking about it, like part of me is just like, I'm just going to like print the Google Doc into a PDF and post it on my blog for free and <laughs> go hide in a corner and call it a day. Like, and not actually no. like market it. But then I'm like, no, you know what? I prefer physical books and I can do the Amazon print on demand things and if there was this book I would want it in a physical book and so that should at least like drive me through like I 
I keep reminding myself of what I want out of this. Yeah. So are you, is, would you say your motivating factor is because you've gotten so much demand for it? Or is it because this is something you want to do for yourself? This is so, it's mostly, this is like 75, this is something that I need myself. Like, as I mentioned, like having mentoring calls with people and needing to like have one place to send them. That's a good book for basically for bootstrappers and really small teams on understanding their customers. I just, I don't feel like I have that book um, that is in enough detail and is at the right level and has the right combination of information. So it's like partly saving myself time in the long run by having that book. Um, I think for a long time, I've had a feeling that I like, you know, I had a book in me somewhere. Um, so there's like a little bit of that going on. Um, but, but mostly it's, it's that kind of having one central place to send people for my own purposes. Uh, it's been, it's been really interesting what, what people have said in, in response to the newsletter too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's kind of, that's helping me keep going though. I, I have, I've started to appreciate how lonely writing is. Um, you know, I feel like you hear writers talk about writing and they just, they talk about how lonely it is. Um, and I'm not sure if this is like validating each other's experiences or, um, you know, kind of this like badge of honor that they went through this lonely process or like they're hazing other would be writers to like scare (laughs) them away. Um, (laughs) there's a mix of things going on. Um, but I feel like writing a newsletter makes it more social. Right. And so like whenever I encounter these things and I'm like, oh my God, this feels scary. Like turning all of this into a Google doc, like editing it all down, reformatting it, like spending a month in a Google doc on my own. And then I'm like, wait a minute. I, I don't have to do that. I decided I was doing this in public. I decided I was going to take what is apparently normally a lonely process and make it a social one. Like I can send out, you know, when I have edited something into what feels like a full chapter. I can send that out, right? Like people have subscribed yeah. knowing that this is a work in progress. So, yeah. and they're not paying for it either. So they can just unsubscribe, right? So. Right. You said earlier that you felt that marketing a book was totally different than like marketing your product. What, I don't, what's the nuance there? Yeah, I feel like books are, you know, sometimes I'm looking for a specific book but but very often you you know there's some kind of convincing that has to happen. Um, yeah, you know, I think something I'm thinking about as I as I write this and and I've heard this from people who are experienced UX researchers or product managers is that they don't feel like they have a book to recommend people who are who are mm-hmm. like at, at at this sort of stage. Um, and so I think kind of like writing it to be something that's recommended to other people but not necessarily used by the person you're selling it to is really interesting um but you know you see a lot of people doing just different tactics like you know having a you know marketing campaign that drips out you know a Mm -hmm. a chapter a day and induces someone to buy with a discount and like all that kind of like we we don't do any of that like we don't do right any sales emails we don't send sales emails ever like we'll be like hey we have a new feature like cool see you in six months like I think we have literally sent one marketing email in the past year we do a lot of SEO instead but so but we don't really ever do stuff with like here's this bundle where you get you know the the ebook and the audiobook and then you get access to these five interviews and like I can see the value of that kind of stuff but I have never done that before and so that yeah is just a whole new kind of work for me yeah. 
That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, honestly, even when I know I'm being dripped to, I love a good drip campaign. Like they remind you every week that you love them. I do. It doesn't bother me at all. Like I bought someone's book (laughs) and he's got a great drip campaign. Like it's like it's like on a random interval. It's like every 13 days he'll send an email. (laughs) I'm like, oh, I like this. I don't know. It doesn't bother me. Um, See, I like I, but I, I get satisfaction out of unsubscribing to things. And I've actually I've had people like I had someone sign up for the newsletter yesterday and saying how much they appreciated that I wasn't upselling them in the newsletter. Like so these like, the just, like reinforcing yeah. my like, you know, <laughs> like, Wait make it, a buddy. PDF and hide it's in coming. a corner <laughs> approach. No, I think it's going to be great. I mean, this new I, mean, I don't know. Seriously, Michelle, I'm I, freaking out, man. I talked to you. Are you like, <laughs> I, I talk to you every week and I still get value out of what you send in the, the newsletter. I appreciate that. I mean, what makes you freak out about it? Just the, pr- well, you said it wasn't the pressure. It's, it's that kind of salesy deal. Yeah. A little bit of that. I think it's just, it's just a very big project. Like, and, and I think there's a yeah. kind of come back to the, which I think, you know, a question that I think, you know, I guess it's a question you've had and a lot of other people starting a company have, which is, can I deliver something that is valuable enough that I feel ethically okay taking people's money, right? Like, can I, like, yeah. is what I'm doing something that is worth them paying the money? Not less a question of, can I make something they will pay for, which, you know, is a question to figure out, but more of that sort of uh, I, I, I don't know that sort of existential level of is what I'm making like is that worth them paying for and I think that's something that you know I don't struggle with that in SaaS but uh, for some reason I struggle with that with an info product interesting well I for one am looking forward to it and when you think about it so I was thinking about this after my interview on Wednesday I know you don't know what you're going to price your book at, but if I get one sale out of some, like for or one piece of uf- useful information, like my minimum price is $35. So if your book is less than $35, which I assume it's going to be like, it's already valuable to me, right? I only have to get one person to make that worth my, worth my money. Yeah. I guess some, I, I was thinking about pricing yesterday and I think someone convinced me that it should be $29. So for both the ebook and the um, physical version, and I guess there would be an audio book in there too. So, yeah, I, I, I guess the price point is right. <laughs> yes, I love this idea. I can't wait to continue uh, to hear about this. And I would like to say, I feel like I told you to write a book six months ago. I feel so like I you did. On record. I feel like yeah, <laughs> so, no, it took a long like... time. Like. <laughs> So I am super pumped. And I also really, really like physical books. Like I want to hold it in my hand. I want to put post-it notes on like the customer interview script pages. Like, yeah. I, I, that's the kind of like, I actually, I was sort of working on the intro this morning and like I have something in it that's like, go ahead and dog ear the pages, like right on it. Like, and then I even have a guide at the beginning that tells people how to skip around through the book based on what they're trying to do. Um, that's awesome. Like I, I, yeah, I'm trying to design it in a way that's like, okay, how do I get out of people's way, right? Because I think a lot of books yeah, on this are written them- like that, like they're really good, but they have a lot on the philosophy of jobs to be done. And if you're just trying to increase your MRR from like 100 to 200 a month, like you do not want to read an academic tome on activity theory. I do, but like 
I just have I have no illusions that that is not what you have come here for. Um, and so I'm basically right. like, how can I make like you know sort of power packs for this book that's like, okay, go here, go here, go here. Maybe you'll come back to the book. Maybe you won't. But hopefully you at least get something out of it. Um, yeah. Yeah, there was this really interesting blog post that someone sent me on like giving a presentation and thinking of yourself as a user interface. And like when you're doing a presentation, it's like you are a UI and your job is it, like people aren't there to see you. They're, they're there to like get some outcome out of it. And so how do you structure how you present that as a UI, right? Um, is, is real, I'll, I'll have to link to it in, in the show notes, uh, but it was super interesting and, and, and is definitely helping me structure this, which I think is, is helpful for something that feels overwhelming is like structuring my yeah. thinking. Yeah. And I have to say, like, I have purchased and read not quite as many as you, but a lot of books that are aimed at like early stage founders. And the problem with all of these books is none of them um, are really focused on what I'm trying to do, which is a small single person founder. They're all trying to either walk the line of addressing both. Um, but like books we've talked about, like Lean Startup, it's a great book. I don't have $10 million in venture funding. Like that doesn't, I mean, we're in two different places, right? Um, I just bought another book, which is about positioning, which is good. But again, the author is trying to address like a more like larger companies. Um, and so the things that she suggests, like I don't have a data analysis team. I don't have like you, I don't have my own UI UX person. Like, you know, so I love that you're so focused on like, here's, I loved the scripts. I think that's probably like everyone's favorite. I bet if you took a poll, that would be everyone's favorite. Cause it's like, here's literally what you should say. <laughs> so that, like, that's like a bit of big motivation for me is that there are so many good books on this. And, and you know, to what you're saying, from the UX side, a lot of them are like, so, you know, the first thing to talk about is getting a budget for research consultants. And this might be a hundred thousand, you know, $200,000. If you're doing remote interviewing, it can be, and it's like, dude, like, this is not the situation like we're, we're, we're in. And I feel like that really turns people off. Um, but yeah, like, and even the best books will be like, you know, here's what you say, like, don't interrupt them and fo ask follow-up questions. And it's like, okay, what, what does are that those follow-up questions like what like you can't just give mean? like bullet points on this for right yeah anyway um well cool well I'm sure everyone myself included is will be anxiously awaiting to see how this turns out for you you can all follow now, now it's my turn to be the like uh person who is trying to figure something new out and is <laughs> sort of wandering around lost and freaking out <laughs> <laughs> so there was something else I wanted to talk to you about today okay uh you mentioned to me privately that you have been getting some people um interested in acquiring your company yeah so are you going to be a bazillionaire and move to Hawaii like what's the no. plan are you going to sell no we no. don't want to sell which I think is... So this is something... Yeah, tell me more about this. Yeah, I think that always uh, surprises people that we we don't want to sell. And, you know, we don't have anyone externally who has any sort of, you know, incentives or say in this. So so we don't have to. Um, 
But yeah, we we had two separate people, you know, and it wasn't they they didn't write us an email that was says, "Hello, here is ten million dollars sign." You know, it was like, "Let's mm-hmm. have a meeting and chat and get to know each other and you know everything." And we're like, "No, that like I'm not going to waste your time. Like we're not interested." And I think people are always really surprised that like we don't have a number and that we don't want to be acquired. We just like want to do what we do. I, I would love to to know more about that. I feel like um, it seems like a lot of the people in this small business world, that's their goal is to become acquired. And I wasn't kidding. So they can have a lot of money and just go do, I don't know, whatever. So tell me more about you guys not wanting to be acquired ever. I mean, we, we like what we do. You know, I consider yeah. it, you know, I, I feel like I have achieved the success I want to by being able to work from home with my spouse on something I enjoy for customers that I enjoy working with on something where I feel like I learn new things all the time. And, um, you know, who knows, I may look back, you know, at some point and be like, Oh, you sweet summer child, you should have taken that money when it was offered. (laughs) Um, but I mean, this, I feel like that's like the peak of professional achievement for me is like getting to work from home with my husband, like that, that to me is great. And, you know, so, I mean, there's a lot of people who, who want to get acquired and, and, you know, they, they want that kind of financial freedom and, and those are all valid things to want. And we're all allowed to want different things and we just know what we want and that getting acquired, like it would not only not give us those things, it would actually set us backward because then we would just have to find another business to start. And that's hard. Like, uh, just, starting a business is hard right like there's no two ways about it and like we already have one so I don't know why I would put myself through that again um, That's amazing. <laughs> I love that you know and then I have people who are like people don't believe me when I say there isn't a number like I remember I was giving a talk to an MBA class a couple of years ago and they just could not believe that there was no number and they're like what if it was 100 million dollars yeah. like 500 million dollars five million you know whatever it was and I was like I just I don't know like I don't need that and you know I've had people say like well then you could start your own charitable foundation and I'm like I don't need I don't feel the need to do that like I love when people do that that's great but like I don't need more um you know it, so a couple weeks ago we were talking about the Psychology of Money by Morgan Housel. And mm-hmm. he has this story he tells at one point in the book, um, which, so, you know, there was one time when when Kurt Vonnegut and Joseph Heller, the writer, um, were at a party given by a billionaire on Shelter Island. And he said, Kurt Vonnegut said, Joe, how does it make you feel to know that our host only yesterday may have made more money than your novel Catch-22 earned in its entire history? And Joe Heller said, I've got something he can never have. And Vonnegut says, what on earth could that be, Joe? And Heller says, the knowledge that I've got enough. (laughs) That's nice. Yeah, I don't I don't need to be a billionaire. Like I'm I'm cool with that. 
Okay, did you at least find out what they were going to offer you, or does it not no, even get... I like, wanna, I don't even like, know what this looks like. I don't want to waste everybody's time, and besides, yeah. like, some of them are in California, and if I want to do a call with California, that's at 9 o'clock my time, and I only do those for customers. Like, yeah. why, like I could be reading a book. <laughs> this is fascinating to me. I just, this, like... This is the Mistel psychology episode. Right? Like... I want me a beach house. That's what I want. Like, like, I mean, so this is just like fascinating um, to me. So basically you guys are just like, nope, like we're happy. I mean, that's wonderful too, though. We've talked to people who have sold their businesses and it does seem to put you in kind of like a, what do I do now state? Um, Not that that's bad, but I can definitely see like you love what you're doing. So why would you change it? Yeah. And I mean, you know, our business isn't perfect, but like basically anything I might want to change is is solvable and and it's not solvable by other people's money right like right and and so this is just how things are and you know I can never know what's going to happen in the future like we want this business to run as long as we can um this may not you know we'll probably have multiple businesses in our lives right um but where Mm -hmm. we are now we we don't have a reason to change and sometimes people build wow. companies to have them be acquired and like that's cool that's that's valid and so, but but they don't and i think you know i think so much of the conversation about software is dominated by uh it's still dominated by the the you know the silicon valley kind of approach to things where of course you yeah. need to exit like that's part of your business plan from the very beginning um but right. like it's okay to do something different. Like we have a different set of incentives at play here. Would you describe your business as a lifestyle business? Oh, this is man. kind of a new term. I I hate that. I don't phrase. really like. Tell me, because so I I, I came across that I want to say in the lean startup, and like I didn't really realize that was a thing. Um, I feel like it's so condescending because it's like it does. Feel oh, that way, I, okay. It? Because I don't want to spend Life like my style. whole world, like my life, you know, flying around the world for sales meetings and having my, you know, working 70 hours a week. Like it's apparently a lifestyle business. Like why should I apologize that I can like be here when, you know, my daughter has a sports game or like when she's home from school or like I, I, I don't know. I think it's people projecting their own, uh, you know, the the downsides of the approach they have taken onto other people. And I don't really think that's fair. Yeah. You know, I mean, like their approach is valid. Like I like 20 years from now, I could want to start a business that requires funding and I could be doing that whole, you know, flying around for sales meetings and, you know. I don't think I would build a company that requires me working 70 hours a week or certainly does not require anyone working for me to work 70 hours a week. Um, Yeah. But no, I don't like I don't want that. And I also don't consider that the next level either. Like I think there's people kind of think of this like ladder of products where, you know, it's like you start out with affiliate marketing and then you go to info products and then you go to consulting and then you go to like SaaS and then and then like it. But you go to bootstrap SaaS first and then you go to venture or whatever. And like and there's kind of this like moral superiority increase at each level. Right. I reject yeah. that. And I guess as someone who is, you know, currently going from SaaS to info products, like, you know, some people might say I'm going backwards. Um, I reject that paradigm. I think whatever you want to do as a business, provided you are doing so ethically and making something that is valuable for people and 
you know, genuine, then that's fine. Um, but I think it just goes into uh, other people's set of expectations and allowing ourselves to reject those and have our own worldview yeah. of it instead. Yeah. Well, I love that. I love that you guys know what you want and... You know, you're not, like you said, you're not even going to waste their time by having a meeting. Yeah. doesn't. I mean, I'm sure I'll run into these people at a conference or whatnot. Like there will be opportunities to meet them. And, but like, we're not, we're not in a rush. There's nobody who is telling us to, to sell and, you know, and, and, and it really helps that we're both ag- agreed on this. Like I've heard of a lot of co-founder conflict coming from one party wanting to sell and the other one not wanting to um yeah but like oh, thankfully yeah. we are both a hundred percent agreed on this that's great it probably helps that you're married i mean in terms of like co-founder conflict do you think there's less of that because you're married it's such a funny question the- because you know i i tell people who don't run businesses with their spouses that we run a business together and nine times out of ten the reaction i get is oh my god we could never do that we would kill each other and i'm like <laughs> oh okay (laughs) I don't know what to say to that (laughs) and then you like most of the time when I talk to nine times out of ten when I talk to people who do run a business with their spouse they're like isn't it the most amazing thing like (laughs) and it's just you know I mean there are some people who it doesn't work for um but I was just talking to someone yesterday about this um yeah I mean we work together because we work well together right um yeah and we have a way of working through discussions in a way that's productive well and similar similar life goals as well right i mean i could see a situation where one co-founder like wanted an influx of cash or you know and then the other one was just if they weren't married right and then the other one had a different life situation so he or she wanted something else so yeah yeah i think that makes sense you know i was listening to uh how i built this with the founders of atlassian last week and they were Mm -hmm. they were talking about how something that really it's such an interesting company because they are bootstrapped until they went public. Um, but they, I didn't know that. Yeah, isn't it cool? Wow, um, that's cool. That they were both at similar life stages throughout their early yeah. journey, and that really helped because you know when they were both you know young and single and like living on you know pizza, like that, like neither of them really needed a salary. And then when they were both having kids and like getting married, like they you know they were able to make adjustments and. Um, like they always understood each other. And I think that is helpful. But at the same time, there's a lot of couples that have conflict over money. And one like that, that is a very, very common source of marital conflict. So I, you know, I, I'm not going to like say that that's, um, I don't know, that, that that's something people experience. Right. And I can't speak yeah, to what other sure. founder couples do. We just don't we don't really fight with each other. So it works. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> well i think that's that's great and i'm so happy you were open to talking about this this is like um, the michelle's be- life episode <laughs> i love it well you always make me talk about my feelings so <laughs> i'm here to i want to know about michelle's feelings today i don't know if anyone's gotten um, anything useful out of this but at least i guess you know me sure better they now. did i just think the the idea so i mean honestly michelle before we started talking about you know, started talking in depth about business stuff. I just assumed like just because the Internet teaches you the whole purpose of starting a company is to sell your company and go buy your beach house. And I still want my beach house. But like just being our friendship and our conversations over the years have really made me rethink that 
Because to your point, like, you love what you do. You can support your family with it. Um, you're happy. Like, why why rock the boat for even if it was $10 million? Like, what do you need $10 million for? I already like, have I a totally beach house. Like, it's oh, not a mansion. Okay. Like, it's a cabin. <laughs> like, but like, you know, like, it's like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't yeah. want material, like more material things. You know, like we, we were actually like talking about this the other day. And I realized that my winter coat is more expensive than my most expensive piece of jewelry. Like, I just, I don't feel the need to like, have to live an expensive life yeah some people do like that's you know that's that's okay right like there are you know there are luxury brands that need people to buy their stuff and that's cool and those serve purposes for people but i don't know i'm i'm good and i know that's not going to make sense to some people and i am i've always been weird i am okay with people you know my approach to things not making sense to other people that's okay (laughs) all right well i think that's gonna wrap up this week's episode of the software social podcast thank you so much for listening you can reach us on twitter at software social pod we'd love to hear what you thought about michelle's life (laughs) just kidding we don't want to hear no 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 We'll talk to you guys next week. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality. Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from The Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems. Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outsetta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nucy Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.